1 and verse 12 to 26. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill, the latter to do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Amen. I feel as though I'm walking on sunshine this morning. When Paul is writing to his friends in Philippi, or Philippi, whichever you want, he gets to this particular point in verse 12, and the whole of the letter changes. He's now on this, what I call, a personal journey. And uh, this, this wonderful phrase, I want you to know, brothers... That what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Some people were saying, I think Paul's bailed out because he's in prison. I think he's finished. But he comes and he says to his friends at Philippi, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Some of the greatest writings of Christian faith 
have come out of the prison situation. Some of the greatest writings that we know, we think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Bunyan, John Bunyan, Watchman Nee over in China, Martin Luther King. Some people don't even realize that he spent time in prison, but he did. So here's a little phrase from me to you. Personally, I wouldn't be the man that I am now if I had not faced acute difficulties. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. A good few years ago now, I was uh, with uh, Chuck Colson in Manchester. And uh, he was an amazing man. He's the guy from the Watergate disaster and uh, President Nixon. And this is what Chuck actually said. I, I wrote this down. My lowest days as a Christian were seven months in prison. They'd been more fulfilling and rewarding than all my days in the White House. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Not an easy one, but this is to do with sunshine in difficulty. When those disruptive moments come into our lives that we don't know where they come from, but they arrive. And that Paul is in prison. And what does he say? He says this, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what happened to me has really advanced the gospel. Now, if there was ever a person that got hold of some good, positive Christianity, it was Brother Paul. Oh, and by the way, my friend did one of these um, uh, funerals, you know, where you can't mention God. And uh, so he, he did it and they said, don't mention God, don't mention God. So he didn't. So he took the funeral and during the spiel he said, listen, I've got a friend who's called Paul and he says, whatever things are good, whatever things are honest, whatever things are pure, think on these things. And at the end of the service, this lady came and said, this friend of your Paul, 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 he said, could I have his email? <laughs> I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me in my life has really served to advance the God, because that's what the name of the game is. Whatever happens to us, whatever life throws at us, the Cumbrians have a lovely word for it, but it's not allowed in Lancashire. But whatever is thrown at us, the gospel has got to be served. The gospel has got to be served. Paul again writes, he says, this is in his friends in, in Corinth. Now I take limitations in my stride and with good cheer. These limitations cut me down to size. There's abuse, accident, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. So that the weaker I get, 
the stronger I become. It's like the 23rd Psalm when he says, I walk through the valley of the shadow. I'm asking you, listen, some of us this morning are walking through the valley of the shadows. And sometimes in our lives, we feel as though that there's only shadows. It's not the real thing. But I want to tell you this, that we walk through the valley and at the end, there's sunshine. There's sunshine. God will always leave the choice of you to you. Well, listen, that's the introduction. Come with me. Come with me. I want you to know what happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What a great statement. This is a great statement. What a great man. My setback is God's advancement. What's the purpose of it all? God's advancement. It's not sitting down and going into poor me mode. It's this. My setback, whatever it is, God's kingdom will advance. His, uh, this, this word here is, is to do with preparing. I want you to know what happened to me has really served to advance. That means the, the lads that go forward and, and chop down the trees so that the so soldiers could, you know, move forward. Take away obstacles. Take away the obstacles. Why? Why? Because it's the advancement of the kingdom that's the big thing. So here's Paul with the uh, members of the Praetorian Guard. Not all at once because there's 900 of them. Or 9,000, sorry. What am I talking about? 9,000. And uh, they were were in uh, nine cohorts. And Paul gets one of them. And I'm telling you, I bet he gave them rice. I bet he told them exactly the gospel. And I'm positive there are people that in that household were rejoicing because they'd spoken with Paul. So our setback, and we've all had them. I don't care however young you are, however old you are, we've all had setbacks. But the setback has brought the breakthrough for the gospel. Like that song we sang, that's the unseen hand that leads the way, I cannot see. While going through this weary land, guided by the unseen hand. So why was this lad in prison? He'd been falsely accused. He'd been lynched by a mob. He'd been beaten by rods. He pleaded Roman citizenship. He'd been in a storm at sea. And the thing that I've learned, men and women, is this. That in all our disappointments, you will find God's appointment. 
Look for the hand of God, the unseen hand in your life. These things that come to us, they're big. They're big. But it's the advancement of the gospel. Well, look again, because this is a great passage. Verse 14, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and more fearlessly. That through your difficulties, people have been encouraged. That's wonderful. Courage that makes us more sure of ourselves in the faith. Let me tell you a lovely story about George Fox. I love George Fox. He was the founder of the Friends, or what we would know today as the Quakers. And uh, George Fox was up in Carlisle, just that's uh, just below the uh, the Scottish borders, and he was preaching there. And the powers that be came out, arrested him, and charged him with blasphemy, threw him into Carlisle prison. No trial, thrown into jail. No one was allowed to see him and no one was allowed to bring him food. All he could have was the prison grog. Right. 150 miles away, there is a young boy, he's 16 years of age, mark you. 16 years of age, his name is James Parrell. And James Parnell, listen, is a cripple. The lad has difficulty in walking. And this young lad walks all the way to Carlisle. Blagged his way into prison. Amazing. Spoke with Fox. And by the time he left prison, Fox says he left with a flame in his heart. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and more fearlessly. Three years later, he is in um, Colchester. That was in 1656. He was 19 years of age. Three years since he met Fox. He wrote five books. In three years. And was killed. Because of his faith. Wow. Jim Elliot. Nat Saint. Ed McCauley. Peter Fleming and Roger. They flew into South America looking for this tribe that had never seen a white man in their life. They were called the Alcar Indians. Five missionaries came and landed their plane on a little sand uh, pathway. They met up with the Alcar Indians. But little did they know that every single one of them 
would be murdered. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and more fearlessly. Hundreds of people went out as missionaries because of those five men that gave their lives. Difficulties produce courage. Produce courage in us. When those disruptive moments come in our lives, what do they produce? They produce courage. Courage. Oh, they... I could tell you about C.H. Spurgeon, a young lad of 17. He goes into this little chapel. He's not, he's not used to it. And the preacher is preaching. And there's only five or six people there. And he's, he's sat there on his own. And the preacher points to him and says, Young man, have you looked to Jesus? Do you know of his salvation? And Spurgeon that day, that morning, gave his life to Christ. 17 years of age, at 19 years of age, he is the minister of one of the largest Baptist churches in London. What an amazing man, encouraged by this single man. Difficulties produce character. Oh, I'll tell you something else. Difficulties produce friendships. You'll see that in verses 15 and 17. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry and others out of goodwill. The latter will do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerity, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. And then this lovely phrase that I think should be written on every mirror in your house but what does it matter what does it matter as long as the gospel is proclaimed it produces friendships some people took advantage of course of his life when he was in prison yet somehow they they were strange They were a bit like um, the politicians today, canvassing for office to get people's support. Oh, I've seen it. They just promote themselves. But the motivation for each one of us is the word of God. That's what motivates us. This scripture, this scripture, it produces character in our friendships I tell you something else these difficulties that we go through these disruptive moments that attack us help us to grow up but what does it matter the most important thing is that in every way Whatever by false motive or true motive, Christ is, pre- Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Don't you just want to say sometimes to people, 
It's a very difficult thing to say, and I don't say it. But I'm, I'm on sure ground up here. Please, will you grow up? Why is it that we, we, we somehow are so childish in our understanding of the gospel? Listen, don't get crippled by the words of other people. This is a giant step, I believe, to maturity. For we know that through your prayers and help, given by the Spirit of Jesus, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Everything he wants to do in and through me will be done. Will be done. Helps us to grow up. I remember Bob once telling me the story when he was driving that many of the Asian boys would come and just sit down and talk with him. Why? Because he'd grown up in his faith. And people know it when you've grown up in your faith. They want to come and sit with you. Difficulties make us grow up. Oh, there's more, listen. Let me tell you about David Jacobson in his book, My Nightmare in Beirut. He was a hostage in 1985. He was there for 531 days with the, um, the, the Shiite Muslims and Islamic Jihad boys had taken him captive. But they couldn't break his spirit. He found that in capture, he would form a church. And he did. You'll love this. This is what they called the church. There in prison. The church of the locked door. Isn't that great? They held hands. He says we held hands and we, we quoted the Bible together. And we prayed together. And even as we did that, we saw the guards respect us. Our togetherness in prayer showed us that the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is our comforter in times of need. Isn't that lovely? Hey, I've flown with angels. I've been there. I've left in my jacket and people have fallen over. I can't believe it, some of the things I've got up to. Unbelievable. But what do I know about the Spirit of God today? I'll tell you what I know. He is my comforter. He comes alongside and he breathes into us comfort. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether by false motive or true motive, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. I rejoice in our togetherness, Jacobson says, in our togetherness, the prayers that we shared, the Holy Spirit comforted us. He was released in 1986. He uh, lasted the last 45 days in a box, six foot by six foot. Oh, that's the way to uh, 
gain friends and influence people, isn't it? Put them in a coffin. Yet God always comforted me. But as my friend would say in Rochdale, come here, come here, there's more, there's more. Listen to this. Difficulty produces single-mindedness. It's here. He's saying, I'm going to come through this. I eagerly expect and hope I will not be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether in life or death. This sense of expectancy that we need at Christmas time. Don't let your head be turned. Don't let it be turned. Stick faithfully to what you know is real about Christmas. That God has come, has walked on this earth of ours. Expectant and this hope. He's saying, I'm going to win in this situation. Isn't it great? Because we're going to come on to that in a moment. It's, it's a win-win situation. I will not be ashamed. Even when life is difficult, I won't be ashamed. I will honor Christ. I will not be bothered about my fate. But that Christ might be honored. That's my benchmark. Focus is not on me. The focus is on Christ. I am eagerly expecting and hoping I will not be ashamed. But will have sufficient courage. So that always Christ will be exalted in my body. Whether in life or whether in death. The focus, you always know where the focus is on real people in Christian. The focus is on Christ, not on them. Watch out for them. They're the first step to disaster. The focus is on them. No, the focus has got to be on Christ. That Christ will be honored. A little bit more? Okay. Difficulties, these disruptive moments, well, they purify our motives. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. It's, it's another word for having clean windows of the soul. When others can't see out. I feel sometimes that, that people are living in the bathrooms. There's plenty of light in, but you can't see out. For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. To see something beyond the surface. For me to live is Christ. Hey, listen. I stand here. 
And I say to you, each one, life has no meaning to me except Christ. I've been delivered. For the great thing, I know I play music and I enjoy it. I know I love sport and I enjoy it. I enjoy my work. I'm not retired. I still do it. But that, in the end, is not what I'm about. What I'm about is for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. I came across this little phrase from the book of Colossians. And uh, it's great. It's in chapter 3 and verse 4. And it just says, Christ is our life. What an inspiration. What a great inspiration is that. What is it that fills your life? I'm asking you this morning, what is it that fills your life? For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. This is not my last destination. I'm enjoying the journey. But I'm looking forward to the destination. And I'll tell you something else as well. I am not afraid one tiny bit to die. For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. I'm in a win-win situation. I can't lose. I suppose my view of heaven depends on who's got hold of me. Christ has. Hey, I was 14 years of age when he got all of the collar of my jacket. He's never let go since. Last one. And difficulties bring out possibilities. In all those distributive moments in our lives. And they will come to you. You might think you're quite good at sidestepping life's problems, but they will come to you. And you'll see the lovely thought here in verse 22. He says this, If I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. This, this is the Apostle Paul. This, he says, I don't know. I don't know. I'm torn between two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far, far better. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and the joy in the faith. He's torn between a desire to go to heaven and the desire to serve the Philippians. Right. Tell you a little story. It, uh, it happened way back in 1985. It was Saturday the 13th of July. I think Freddie Mercury was just taking the stage at Live Aid. And for some reason, I don't know what to do. And I said to Mary, I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to go back to Haywood and continue 
or do something else. I don't know what to do. I'm in a quandary. You've been there. In these situations, you just don't know what to do. But somewhere along the line, you have to make your mind up. And at the end of the fortnight, it was one of those holidays, I I, I never switched off. I knew there was something wrong. I knew there was something wrong in my mind. I knew there was something happening. I never switched off. After a fortnight on holiday. And in those dark moments of, of depression, I came to the conclusion that I did desire to be with Christ. But I also had a duty to the people at Haywood. Here is a man deeply moved, and I know what it is to be deeply moved. There's something afoot on his mind. So when C.S. Lewis writes his last battle, these, these are the last words. The term is over. The holiday has begun. The dream is ended. This is the morning. It's about personal fulfillment. It's about the way in which we can lay down our lives for others. And so he says to his friends at Philippi, it's more necessary for you that I remain alive. It's more necessary for you that I remain alive. I am not going into a cemetery. I am going into a sanctuary. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To root out all my self-preoccupation and fill me with his Holy Spirit. Alan Hoare puts it so beautifully. I live so that others may grow into the possibility of Christ. And may Christ be glorified. That's what that passage is saying. Let's sing together.